0: you're listening to the autism weekly podcast each week we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness acceptance equity access and inclusion if you haven't already subscribe to join the autism weekly family i'm your host jeff skabitsky this week we're joined by andrea pollack the founder of autism parent solutions With a mission to empower parents of autistic children and teens, Andrea guides families to build essential skills and inner strength, fostering unshakable confidence and joy in their parenting journey. Today, we delve into Andrea's unique five-step approach to autism parenting, confidence, and success. Join us as we learn from her personal journey, raising a son diagnosed with autism at age two, a journey marked by determination, resilience, and the pursuit of excellence, both at work and in parenting. Andrea, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you so much for having having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, uh, we're excited to learn from you today and having the perspective of a parent who obviously understands their own child so well, but has an understanding of the empathy and the sympathy and the perspective that us as caretakers and as caregivers, need to have through the journey of autism. It's such an important piece, but before we go there, um, I'd, I'd love for our listeners just to understand a little bit about your personal journey with this and what brought about the inspiration for founding Autism Parent Solutions.
1: Sure, so when my son was a little over two, we helped to start a school, but it became pretty clear within the first 18 months or so that it really wasn't serving his needs. So at that by that point I had been a lawyer for 19 years and I left that career and decided to homeschool him, which was completely out of my depth. I had no idea what I was doing, but I decided um, we would figure it out together. And we did that for eight years, which was much longer than I expected, right? I wasn't expecting it to go on for that long, but uh, he was growing and it was working. And when he was ready to go back to school after eight years, I thought to myself, it would really be criminal for me to take everything I had learned with me and go back to law. And I decided there had to be a lot of parents like me also who were learning so much and keeping it to ourselves and that I knew I could help parents avoid some of the mistakes that I had made uh, and that it didn't have to take eight years to learn what I had learned. So that's why I decided to, I went back to school, earned my master's in education and uh, you know, here we are. I decided to start Autism Parent Solutions to help other parents.
0: So when you went through that journey, I'm obviously, A, it must have been a huge game changer to be able to switch careers, kind of get into uh, the, the process of being the primary educator for, for your son understanding how to be able to coordinate anything that is outside of the neurotypical education system and try to be able to tailor into individualized learning um i mean just as an aside i did homeschooling with my daughter for 6 months and i felt out of out of depth with that so i understand how that challenges but when you when you went through that entire experience how did you feel like the community supported it did you feel like you were trying to coordinate you know, all parts of your child's life, helping to educate everybody around them and that you were the center of that entire process?
1: I did feel the way. Also remember this was, he's 25 now. So this was over 20 years ago. And there's so much more now than there was then. I do have to say, I did have some great partners Um, places I learned um, lots of things from, um, people who supported. So I I am very grateful to those people. I don't mean to suggest at all that I did this all on my own. Um, But the coordination effort that you're talking about uh, can be quite overwhelming, was overwhelming. And I also felt like I was flying in the dark a lot. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I would grab this therapy and I would try that one. And, um, oh, then there was the silver bullet, you know, this this concoction I was going to give him that was going to make him start talking. And um, and I know it's still that confusing for parents today because in some ways the fact that there's so much more makes it that much more overwhelming. Um, but yes, that process of trying to figure out what he needed uh, and what the next best thing to do was, that was very, uh, very challenging.
0: Well, one of the things that I I think that might be important to talk about prior to going into all the strategies that are involved and, and you know, the, even the, the self-care that's involved as a parent um, is there has been this overwhelming assumption that, you know, all the treatment decisions for a child are clinician led. Everything has to be done this way. You have to follow a particular paradigm and i think up until recently the last handful five ten years is that there wasn't enough of a focus on realizing parents know their children far better than anybody else in this paradigm and if we're not including them and including their child if they're able to be able to express their needs in a way that's that we can interpret independently and include everybody into this conversation, is that we are going to be missing out, we're going to be prolonging the the therapeutic process, and we're not gonna be empowering the individual. So what's your experience with families on this? Do they feel like their voice has been amplified over the years? Is it getting better?
1: Um, I mean, that's such a great question. I love that question. Um, I do think it's it goes beyond including. I think the professional universe needs to think not just about including them, but actually empowering them. Because I think that oftentimes professionals are telling parents like, oh, don't worry about that. You just go be the parent and we'll take care of helping your child learn this, that, or the other thing. And I think... Parents sometimes really want somebody to take over that role and figure it out for them when there is nobody. I completely agree with you that there's nobody better than the parent themselves. And the other point you're raising is so important, taking into account the children's perspective on um, what works for them, what they need. And even children who have very little language, the parent often knows exactly what that is. So trying to fight against that that natural way of learning or that natural way of being or their needs uh, can really delay progress
0: one of the things that when when I was reading over some of the information about the work that you've done and even some of the testimonials is that parents often felt as if their their lives were compartmentalized. So if, they're, if they weren't involved in the treatment, if they weren't involved in the decision-making, if there wasn't this entirety of a team approach, is that their child almost became siloed. They were learning skills that they could only do in specific places, and the skills didn't matter across their entirety of their life. And it wasn't fully enriching or empowering of the child through the process. there are there ways that we're looking at empowering the parents right now that are actually leading to better outcomes and reducing some of the challenges over time instead of just looking at you know did i meet this developmental objective that i got the skill can't use it anywhere but i got the skill i mean is there something on the outcome level that we're seeing
1: you know i i do think it's so important for parents to think about that because it's so easy to get swept up in are they reading at grade level are they able to do math at grade level there's so many skills as you're pointing out that unless we can put them in a context that helps the child navigate the world those skills aren't going to help so really also understanding and appreciating that self-regulation skills are so critical to everything, and that parents can really help their children grow those skills and have to. That's that's a job we have to take on because um, we're the ones who are with them most of the time when things are going awry, um, and we can help them. We can meet them where they are, we can set them up for success and help them grow those skills. So focusing on that, I think, is really important. And then just generally thinking about why why do I want my child to know this? Like, why do I want my child to do math on grade level if they don't have any friends or if they can't sit at a table and enjoy a meal with the family? Like, should I prioritize teaching friendship skills, teaching social skills versus the next level of math? Does that make sense?
0: It does. And I mean, you mentioned that your son is now 25. Mm-hmm. Is I would imagine is that throughout the journey that you all have experienced together is that, there's been critical times where, you know, it's almost like, okay, let's reset. There's new priorities right now. There's new uh barriers that life just creates and it creates them for all of us, but right now is a barrier for my son and let's let's readjust what we what we really want to achieve as a team right now and what would really help to empower his life. When you're talking with families How often do you have them reset and really kind of look at priorities for, you know, their lives and priorities for their child's lives to be able to make sure that, you know, school is focused on those things. Treatment is focused on this. Social opportunities are focused on. So this entire world that they're involved in. The community is focused on it, is is that everybody has that as the priority to be able to help support your son through the process. How often is that kind of treatment planning, the idea of I'm centering a whole new priority system, does that occur regularly within kind of the parent cycle?
1: You know, I mean, it's definitely something we need to consider always, right? Right. Um, I do think instead of there being like a giant reset, it's more if you're thinking about the priorities and the why all the way through, there's less of a reset needed. Sometimes the resets do need to happen because you felt like you were going in the right direction and suddenly you can feel you've hit a wall or um, you're not making the progress you wanted to make. And also sometimes there are different points in a parent's and child's lives where um, they, Have a new appreciation of their reality, if that makes sense. Um, You know, sometimes parents are like, I'm going to mainstream them by the time they're in first grade. And then when second grade comes, it's not about feeling bad in any kind of way. It's more about, all right, let's look at his strengths and weaknesses. Let's work on the weaknesses. Let's celebrate those strengths. Let's, you know, recalibrate from here to ensure that we're bringing out the best at all moments.
0: No, and, and that makes a lot of sense. And I, I actually was talking to a variety of clinicians the other day about, you know, as you go through that process, also figuring out what it is that that particular child truly enjoys. What makes them happy? What is it that they're passionate about right now? Because you can always work on some of those skills within the context of how's this making that child's perspective of their life better at every given moment and immersing it that way.
1: Um, Yeah, that's so critical also because it so much relates to self-esteem as well, right? The thing that you love that you're good at and you get to do that and show how much you love it and how good at it you are, that builds self-esteem. We can't ignore that, that's so critical to everything.
0: No, 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 that's all of us. <laughs> so the, That's the funny thing is that oftentimes I'm having these conversations with folks and it's like, you know, this isn't just about neurodiversity. This is about all of us experiencing our lives and everything always being slightly different. And sometimes when when we don't understand how to be able to see somebody's viewpoint or vantage point or perspective is that we make assumptions that lead maybe down the wrong path. And it's taken that extra minute to understand it. But I'd love to get into your five-step system. And I I'm gonna say is that this is an elaborate kind of process. It's uh, it goes in depth, which is why this is not just a a pamphlet being handed out. These are trainings that like families will go through. But can you give me an idea on the parent solution and, and what the five-step system? what it's doing to transform some of these challenging behaviors and how we get there.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So the first thing we focused on is shifting a parent's perspective to prioritize support over discipline. And this is so important because so many times parents come to me and their children are having challenging behavior or things they wish were going down differently. And they're treating it as a discipline issue they're being guided to treat it as a discipline issue and i help parents see that most often it's a skill-based issue right they're lacking the skills to make a better choice in the moment and that's okay we can meet them where they are and help them build the skills right because discipline is never going to teach them the skills that they need so it's going to keep happening. If we wanna correct the problem long-term and help the child grow through it and beyond the behavior, we need to focus on skill building. So that's first.
0: With that with that particular, even just the thought of being able to do that's gotta be overwhelming for some families is that even for me, I, I would imagine I would characterize myself as solutions-based, which means I'm jumping to try and find an answer to a problem Instead of the process of, you know, how do we get there? What do we need to be able to do? So I have to slow myself down. Is what are some of the barriers that families might be running into, just even on that first kind of restructuring their thought process of this isn't something the child's doing wrong that I need to stop and discipline? This is a process.
1: Absolutely. I mean, parents are fighting against their own upbringing, their own conditioning, our cultural conditioning, the way we were taught in schools. So there's a lot, um, which is why it's a, you know it's a 12-week program because it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and what you're asking about really relates to another one of the steps, which is the support that you get to understand what's driving your own as a parent, your own behavior. Why, if you if you're if you, can, if you believe that um, it's not a discipline issue, then why do you treat it like a discipline issue? There's a, there's a belief in there that needs to be addressed, and usually there's some like knee-jerk reaction that, that it's a discipline issue. So then we need to help you see how it could possibly just be a support issue, a need for support. Rather than a need for discipline, does that make sense? It's a short yeah, answer. it does.
0: Very um, big <laughs> But I, what might what might be helpful, um, just to be able to kind of paint the picture, is maybe even giving a scenario where where like you've seen a family go through this process of you know they're seeing their child do A, B, or C, and in their heads, they might know I don't want to discipline, but they still are, and maybe inadvertently is that they're doing it. And, you know, what the process of the awakening to, you know, this is partially how I'm perceiving the events, and this is my emotional response leading to the decision Make. Do you have a, a kind of a story that might be able to put that into context for us?
1: Sure, I'll give you one that comes up all the time, which is getting ready for school, okay? Um, parents often, you know, their, their children, don't do what parents believe they know how to do, right? A child knows how to dress themselves. So if they're not dressing themselves, then it's a discipline issue, right? But actually, they may know how to dress themselves on a Saturday when they have all the time in the world, or they may know how to dress themselves when they're not having allergies, which they are having today, right? Days are different, right? So if a parent treats it as a discipline issue, they yell at their children, right? They, they're they stern. they They use other tactics that... Um, we're taught to use as disciplinary tools, right? And that just further um, creates dysregulation in the child, right? The child's already not on task, there's a dysregulation problem, and then that increases the d- dysregulation by adding fuel to that fire, right? Um, and then, you know, that could then lead to an all-out meltdown, right? What started out as a dragging the feet and not being on task, now turns into a an outright fit, right? And the parent inside is thinking, okay, I know it was, I wasn't supposed to discipline, but I couldn't help it because I was just feeling like he knew what to do and he didn't do it better. So helping them really see how it is a skill problem so that when they're not in the moment, because in the moment, sometimes it's hard to see it. That's why we go up and we deconstruct, you know, the scenarios that led to the unwanted behavior on both sides, right? It's really that parents and children both need to learn new skills.
0: Absolutely. And does I think that-
1: that cover the point? I, thought, I think that's, does that illustrate the point? I think you? it
0: does. I think oftentimes is that we forget about what it is that we're bringing to the table and mm-hmm. our reactions can create a whole new scaffolding effect of what's going to be going on next. Right. And we can learn from that. We can, We're not all going to be perfect and quite frankly it's sometimes nice to learn from failure every once in a while and go right. back and think through it um so i mean we hit on a little bit of you know that uh, the shifting of the paradigm and uh, understanding our own histories um what are what are some of the other key components of the five-step system i know we won't be able to be thorough on them but okay. what what does that look like
1: well, next, we teach some very practical strategies. It's really, it's a framework through which you can really think about any problem, right? And the idea is that by thinking about, the same, think, thinking about a problem through the same framework, meaning, am I meeting my child where they are? Am I setting them up for success? Am I properly setting boundaries and enforcing boundaries, right? It's not just about the enforcement, but if I set it in the wrong place, then enforcing it isn't fair, right? So how, those are all related, right? Did I take into account their sensory needs? Did I get their buy-in? That's what we were talking about before. What does the child, you know, what about this would they want to participate in, right? And am I taking into account um, their, some of their rigidity perhaps, or their inflexible thinking, right? Can I help them by meeting them where they are and then helping them build the skill from there? So that's the framework. I mean, that's a very loose description of it. But the idea is, back to what you were saying, like you're very solution oriented. We help parents, they come to us with a problem. We help them through the framework, give them an answer, but we're always generalizing, this is how you think through a problem. Right, Mm -hmm. because the idea is over time, we want you to be independent so that you can think it through, that you're not dependent on somebody for answers, right? So you get the immediate satisfaction of an answer, but you're also always going through the framework so that you know how to think about any challenge that arises.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, there always, always will be something new that comes up and it's better to be empowered with the process than having a specific answer every single time. And it sounds like the the path that you're creating, the educational system and the partnership that you're creating with the families is really allowing them to absorb the information so they can make these decisions and be able to utilize these skills going through the process. But that doesn't mean that there's not gonna be stress or frustration. I mean, these are new skills um, and you're trying to apply them in the moment 24 seven, I mean, it's it's a lot of work and there's yep. gonna be an emotional component to this. So yep. how does your program help to reduce some of those stressors and while still promoting kind of the growth of, of the child's development?
1: Yeah, well, this is another one of the steps that's so critical, and that is the support, of course, right? Because sometimes parents try to set aside in a selfless way. I'm going to set aside my feelings about this. I'm going to, uh, you know, not focus on me. But the overwhelm and the stress, they all uh, contribute to your ability or inability to problem solve, right? So focusing on support is focusing on solutions, right? So we help parents, you know, we create a space, a safe space, where they can express all of the feelings. I want them to feel all of the feelings. Sometimes in the moment, I wanna help them learn the tools to set aside their feelings in the moment, because in the moment, they need to focus on their child. But it's important to feel all the feelings. If we stuff them, they come out somewhere else, right? So, you know, really understanding that support and solutions, as I said, work hand in hand and giving them the space to work through all of that frustration, but, and also the insight, right? The support is also about, as I was mentioning before, um, really helping them see some of the underlying beliefs that are driving their behavior, because sometimes we just gloss right over those, but if you take them out and take a look at them, you can decide to make a change that then resolves your own reaction going forward.
0: No, and everything that you're describing when I'm thinking about most therapeutic models right now is that a a good treatment should be incorporating a lot of this. It should be incorporating the ascent of the child, wanting to bring them into the process. It should be bringing in and making it um, client-centered, family-centered, uh, sort of, and in, in thinking through every decision, every technique, every choice that's being made. So in in the field that, that I'm most familiar with, the field that I'm in, it's, uh, it's ABA. And I feel like the transition is occurring within that. But I think that that's across all the fields that are working with social skills, speech, occupational therapy, is that they're all trying to be able to incorporate a lot of what you're teaching. Um, how does empowering the parent help Just with that process of making sure that they can advocate for themselves while they're going through any other treatment or with the schools or even through some of the engagement with being able to create more community opportunity and understanding, are are families able to take what you're learning and make sure that it's spreading across their their communities?
1: I believe so. At least... um better than they would without these skills. So here's the the, the bottom line, when you get the skills and the strategies with the support and the perspectives, um, you're working on your confidence, right? So coming at parenting from a place of confidence enables you to speak confidently, ask for what you need, tell people what they need to hear, in the nicest way possible because it's actually when we feel insecure that we make snarky comments or because we're feeling some sort of way and then that causes us to be defensive. When you come from a place of confidence, it's much easier to tell the school what you think your child needs, to tell the therapist, to help family really understand your child and your circumstance because you feel confident and solid in where you are and what you're doing
0: hmm And I mean, that confidence comes from being able to implement, being being able to see results, being a part of, you know, feeling like you've got new skills that you can use on a regular basis. Uh, I've seen so many families come and and that I've had the chance to be able to talk with that I, I feel like are deflated. I feel like have been put in this corner where they're seen as part of the problem, not part of the solution, um, and where they feel like their voice is one that has been so minimized and marginalized through the process that they don't even know where to start. And I would imagine some of the families who you work with are coming from that experience. Um, so. Being able to take that first step and say, I'm going to do something like Autism Parent Solutions and I'm going to start this 12 week course. Um, Where's the Where's the motivation? Do you have a do you have a story that you can kind of a success story? Because there's got to be tons of them where a family has come in and what they've left with and what their experience have they shared these these uh, stories with you?
1: Absolutely. And and they share them with the other parents, too, which is so it's so uplifting, right? And it gives parents so much hope. Um, I mean, there are so many we've had kids who um, have, you know, refused to go to school. And really, I mean, it's a, that's a really hard thing for a parent to deal with. And you can't make your kid do the work. And, um, you know, we've had kids who are now happily attending school every day without an issue, like it was never a problem. Um, I had one mom, I love this story so much. Um, she has two young autistic children, and her daughter had a hard time leaving the house. She had so much sensory sensitivity that she really had a hard time taking her anywhere. And, you know, we start each of our, we we do small group meetings, and we start each meeting with a celebration. And she came on to celebrate one night and she said, A year ago, my daughter could barely leave the house. And last week, my daughter participated in a ballet recital on stage with lights and an itchy costume and all these other children around. and She did it. And I mean, that just, you know, even as I'm telling the story, I'm getting, you know, chill bumps again. Um, Just so many, uh, you know, really life-changing stories. And it starts with the parent, right? The parent believing that the change can happen right, lifting beyond their limiting beliefs about what it means to have a child with autism, and this is true uh, regardless of how many skills your child does or doesn't have, right. We have kids who, we have parents of children who have very limited speech, and they make incredible progress. We have parents of children who are so smart, but have really, you know, smart and capable and verbal, but they have challenges on the social side of things, and they Gain the confidence to know that they can see their child as they are, help them build up the areas that are weak, uh, and really be you know central to that process.
0: Mm-hmm. No, and and being a part of it and being able to know that you have some ways to be able to contribute or to influence is is empowering in itself. Um, and and I've had the uh, the chance to be able to see families who maybe didn't go out into the community, created this bubble around themselves and their child, where it's so restrictive that the chance to be able to contribute in the way that the child would want to never really comes about. Um, and this sort of program that, that you're creating, or that you've created, I would imagine has also enabled families to get the confidence to be able to go outside their comfort zone, be able to go do things in the community, whether it's the ballet and things like that, where it's like, you know, I was so fearful to be able to allow my child to have this opportunity based off how the child might respond or how the community would respond. They never went that route. Do you see that confidence coming through?
1: Absolutely. And it's a, it's really a combination of confidence and skill, right? Because the children do have very serious challenges sometimes, right? Sensory issues, as I mentioned with my own son or this young lady, um, you know, an inability to interact in some way. So it's it's the skill to help them grow from where they are to where you want them to be um, in small steps. I mean, just like, you know, you help parents, you know, with an ABA background, how, you know, to build it up in little steps. When you have an objective that is so far above what the child can do, you're going to have failure, so I teach them how to meet the child where they are, set them up for success by, you know, helping them learn the next piece of the skill, how to identify what that is. So there's a skill element and a confidence element, because some of it, you're right. It's just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the confidence to try it, and then we'll see what works and what doesn't, and we'll work on it from there in using those skills.
0: And are these skills, are they, are they broad enough that they can be individualized to each of the families and each of the children? Because' you're, you're teaching almost like a concept formation rather than trying to teach this very direct thing. you're trying to I don't know if uh, if, if it's more of a, a broader sort of skill set that you're that you're empowering with somebody with, but how do you individualize that? How do you make sure that it affects everybody that's going through the program?
1: Yeah, great question. So we meet twice weekly in a small group, as I mentioned, and that's where people can ask their very specific questions and in the process of helping them think it through we're giving them very specific answers to help them grow we're helping them to identify the skills that need to be grown helping them figure out what the next best step is and what to do about it right so we are individualizing it in that process and it's amazing how many times you know one parent asks a question and another says can i ask a follow-up on that right they had the same question but didn't even know they had it yet right so there's that there's the The fact that a lot of it is applicable to many parents, but even if it doesn't have anything to do with your child, you're still learning the process of thinking through the problem solving. And sometimes it's easier to see a solution when it's not happening to you. So those opportunities to sit through the problem solving process for somebody else's problem is very, very effective. So yes, we individualize it in that way. I also do three uh, one-on-one meetings with each family. So we have more opportunity to uh, to also individualize, and uh, one of the other five steps that I hadn't gotten to yet is, you know, we do um, we track and monitor and adjust, right? Because this is about changing, you know, behavior and changing your life experience. This isn't about learning something in your head and, you know, thinking about it later. This is about boots on the ground. What's going on? How's your life better today than it was yesterday? So that's a very important element of it too.
0: And the, the parent education and the the strengthening of parent skill set is such an important part of, of any treatment program. Do you also work with other clinical providers or other schools like you had you had initially worked on with your with your uh, son back when he was a little child? Is do you work with those sorts of providers to help them understand the same skill sets that you're that you're teaching the families? Are you trying to teach the clinicians? Because if they don't understand how to incorporate that, how to be able to see through that lens, they're missing a big part of their treatment plan.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I have worked with professionals. Um, it's not a central part of what I'm doing, only because of bandwidth right now. Um, but I totally agree with you. Um, you know, that's a big goal down the road because. It is so helpful when everybody understands those general principles.
0: Now, that being said, I mean, that might be one thing that's down the road, but I mean, what future changes or advancements do you anticipate for Autism Parent Solutions, um, particularly in supporting parents and families? I mean, how is it how is it that, that you're going to be able to grow or reach more people or be able to help to create more of this network that's going on?
1: Um, well, down the road, what I would love to do is to really help my graduates help other parents, right? Because they, they are so steeped in it that it becomes part of how they, they parent, right? And they know the framework and they know how to think about things and they come from that place of confidence. Uh, and really enabling them to support other parents is something down the road that I would love to uh, figure out how to really scale that way.
0: I love the idea of a peer to peer network. Um, It just it also it creates some normalcy to what I'm going through. This isn't completely unique. It's others have felt these same feelings at times. So Um, and I guess uh, one other thing that that I want to make sure that our listeners walk away with is just understanding what resources um, you provide, obviously, is that a course like the Autism Parent Solutions would be a wonderful resource. What other things do you suggest they turn to to be able to start the path to being able to really enhance their own skill sets?
1: Um, I mean, I do think, you know, acquiring some of the, um, you know, learning some of the strategies, some of the Um, you know, the basic foundational strategies and using them over and over so they become part of what you do, but then not neglecting the support piece, right? Sometimes parents, you know, like an example, they know they shouldn't yell at their children, yet they yell at their children. Like, that's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with you. We all do that. But if you want to do it differently next time, it's not just about willpower. It's not just, oh, I forgot. It's what's driving that behavior. So getting some support in understanding why am I doing that, what belief would I need to change in order to look at that behavior as needing support rather than discipline, I think is such a strong place to start.
0: And I mean, I do recommend that folks reach out directly to Autism Parent Solutions and um, I'd love to be able to give them the ways to be able to reach you directly. would would it be through the website? Would it be through Facebook? I I don't know which vehicles you you prefer.
1: Yeah. Well, you can definitely go to the website, autismparentsolutions.com. And there's a a free webinar on there that you can listen to to hear more about the philosophy. If after listening today, you're like, yes, I want parent coaching. This is for me, or I think I do. um, You can go directly to my calendar and book a call with me which is AutismParentSolutions.com forward slash apply. Um, if, it, if you think that parent coaching is right for you and it's something you want to explore. Um, those are the best ways. I do have a Facebook group as well. I can give you the link for that rather than spell it all out. It's pretty long. Oh, uh, you could Feel free to join the Facebook group and we have some, you know, some, um, inspiring material in there. Parents tell stories, parents ask questions. It's a nice place to hang out.
0: Well, Andrea, we appreciate um, your willingness to come in and share your story and also share your knowledge on how to be able to really give back to the families that, that could benefit from, but then also deserve the support of the community around them. So thank you for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've loved being here with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly Podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in, see you again next week.